So you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with a sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. You're still going to miss out on some pretty important things that we think are part of being church, like having supportive community, having your ideas challenged by supportive community, cookies after worship, great music, all of those things. But you still get us. We'll still give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts, perfect preachers, homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're just pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on a Sunday or some other worship occasion. This time it's a Sunday. Whatever day it is, we hope that you would receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we don't expect that you'll agree with everything we have to say. We think it's good and healthy to think your own thoughts, uh, to consider your own experiences, to talk to your own people, but our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Chris, step six. Step six, but tell us the, give us the landscape. Where are we? Oh, this sermon series is based on the book Breathing Underwater by Richard Rohr, Mm -hmm. Spirituality and the 12 Steps. And so we began with step one, which is admitting powerlessness. Admitting our powerlessness Powerlessness over our addiction. And we think everybody's got an addiction. Right. That sometimes it's, it's, it's a physical thing. And sometimes it's a, it's an it's it's how you think. Yeah, it's how it's you're a, looking at the world. It's how you're allowing the world to you know look at you. Look at you in some ways. Yeah. So we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction and that our lives had become unmanageable. And that the cure for that unmanageability is to recognize that there's a power greater than ourselves that can return us to sanity. So that's step two. We that's came to two. believe. Came to believe that there was a power greater than ourselves. So then we move into step three. We make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to this God as we understand God. And basically, uh, it keeps growing through my head, and I'll keep saying it, to trust God more than we trust ourselves. Then step four. We clearly look at ourselves. We do a deep and searching evaluation. Fearless moral inventory. Yeah. And knowing that God meets us whatever we find. Yeah. Yeah. So We're not, not alone in it. Not being afraid to step on the scale. And then step five, we admit to God to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. In other words, not just what is this stinking thinking that we might have going on, but how has it actually affected people? Right. How has it affected us out loud? And we do that because we tend to think as long as it's secret, it doesn't matter. Well, or it it doesn't have power over me. Right. And to say it out loud, there's something powerful in that. Plus, it gives other people the opportunity to reflect grace back to you. Yep. To let you see that, you know, the worst parts of you don't define you. And also, there's a way forward. Yep. So that brings us to this step six. Step six, which is a paradox, which we'll talk about. Yeah. And it's we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Yeah, we were entirely ready is our work, and to have God remove is God's work. Right. And the paradox is that we both have to do the work, but it's not all our work, and it's not all God's work. 
but well, we all have to do all the work. There's a, there's a feeling of a catch twenty two in some ways. Yeah. With the paradox, like how can two things be the same, or mm-hmm. how can two things be true, um, or how can two things occupy the same space? Right. So paradox is inherent to Christianity. Paradox yeah. is a holding two truths together that don't seem like they could both be true at the same time, but are actually intricately related. So like one kind of classic Christian paradox is Jesus is fully human and fully divine. Not like 50-50, not like a weird hybrid, not a ghost, not a magical being, right. not but just some dude. Yeah, fully the other. To be both right. is a paradox. Uh, what's another paradox, Susan? Uh, in the Christian faith? Sure. God is three and one. Yep. Trinity is Trinity. a paradox. We don't really quite understand it. No, we don't. Uh, it is a mystery. However, we sort of think it's true. Yeah, because we've experienced those things. Yeah. Right? So the um, paradox that I use for, for youth, when I work with youth, is could God microwave a burrito so hot that even God couldn't eat it? <laughs> right? Like, that's a paradox. Because right? if God's omnipotence is about, it's about power, if God's right. omnipotent, then where's the limit on God's power? And the right. answer is both. And so in this case, the paradox we're really talking about is who does the work? Who does the work, right? As Chris said. Like who does the both, work? The paradox is that we both have to do the work, right? I like the way Richard Rohr said it when he said, grace is inherent to creation from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like this this love, this forgiveness, this healing, mm-hmm. this thing that we call grace right. is so much a part of everything around us all the time. And we can't force it. We can't make it. We can't create it. It just is. Right. And yet... For us to get out of the way so that this grace can operate and actually liberate us, even though we can't make it or destroy it, right. um, we have to get out of the way enough so that it can work. Right. Is It means that, you know, the power isn't ours, but it kind of is. Yeah. And so when we talk about this situation, right, do we have to take, it, it's that the two pieces of this, the things that we hold in tension, I think in our modern language are more grace and responsibility. Yeah, Absolutely. And does, does grace come so that we can take responsibility or does responsibility come so we can experience grace? How very John Cobb of you. Right? But what's really funny is, is that we ha- it's both, right? Because yeah. I think we can, we can each find experiences in our lives where we have experienced grace mm-hmm. before we took responsibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and experiences where once we took responsibility, we were cracked open. So that we could experience grace. grace. Yeah. yeah. And how powerful that is. I know you didn't talk very much about this in your sermon, but it struck me is that the whole Protestant Reformation mm-hmm. is based on not holding this tension well. Yeah. Well, right? yeah, the Protestant Reformation was saying... Saying, on one hand, it's all grace. It's all grace. And the or, Catholic Church was saying, saying it's, it's, all works. Respons- it's all works. Right? It's all works. And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> like that we can't stop at grace. Yeah. And we can't just stop at work. The one of the reasons I I so resonate and continue to be a Christian mm-hmm. is this idea that I am not alone in this process. Right. And but, you're not done. And I'm not done. We come to this again and again in that circle, in that bouncing back and forth, perhaps yeah. maybe. That's one of the reasons I love the book of James so much. Mm-hmm. The book of James is incredibly practical. Right. I mean, it, it's basically going, okay, you don't have to understand all the theology stuff, but like, let's get down to brass tacks. What do you need to look like? What do you need to behave right. like? Right. And one of the things that James says is if you try and separate faith and works, it's like separating a head from a body. Like right. you end up with a corpse. You, right. They both have to go together. They, they so live in, in concert together. Yeah. Yeah. So 
this paradox. So, and then I talked about Ansel Adams. Yes, I love the Ansel Adams quote. The know. Ansel Adams quote was pretty good. Ansel yeah. Adams, uh, obviously, nature photographer, black and white, amazing, Beautiful. very detailed photos. And he would sometimes wait hours or days or even weeks to take the perfect photo in the perfect light. Right. And um, he could he would have done with a digital camera. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And um, it got me thinking about that. <laughs> we, uh, so we know that he was willing to wait and wait and wait. And then he would say, it's all luck. Right. It's all chance. Right. Well, obviously not. If you're willing to wait that long, right. there was some effort. But his thing was chance favors the prepared. I mean, if we apply that to what we're talking about, our job is to get ready to be, pre- to be prepared, to get ourselves our, right. out of the way, our ego Go out of the way, out of the way, our defenses, our defenses, our woundedness out of the way so that God can actually heal. Yeah. In Bible study last Monday night, somebody joked about the old joke about how I get luckier at golf when I practice. <laughs> right. It's that same concept. Right? Yeah. But it's in more, maybe a more everyday thing. Although I said that to my golfers on Sunday and, and they were like, they were totally shaking their head like, no, no. way, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but it's that that concept. There's a lot of things we can do once or twice. I think about our experience throwing axles last week. Yes. I could get it pretty accurate when I threw it and it actually stuck. When it stuck. But most of the time it didn't stick. Like, there were times when it did pretty well. But, you know. But I was less accurate, but the target was definitely dead when I was done with it. <laughs> exactly. But that notion, that there's a lot to be said in that action about what we're talking about right yeah like you got to do the follow-through you got to be prepared you got to be watching out you got to yeah. be letting gut down you know like all those things mm-hmm. you gotta keep your eyes open you gotta keep your eyes open you've got to be aware of where everybody else is the whole thing yeah yeah one of the things one of the places that richard Rohr says the protestant movement has sort of gone astray and i would i would argue the evangelical movement has gone astray is in saying that faith is basically a good work that you can perform like if you yeah. say mm-hmm. the right mm-hmm. words in the right order right. then you're good to go and you don't actually have to experience transformation like you can just keep doing oh the, yeah doing the same sin over and over again because you've got the magic formula and well, that really what we're saying is faith is opening yourself up, not just saying the right words, but opening yourself up so that you can be transformed. Right. And that is work, but that it's not work. the only work. Yeah. I, and I, I would say that, you know, there's been times in history where that has been the main theology of conversion. All um, you got to do is say, I made a decision to take Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But also there's, you know, that whole time period where people didn't get baptized until their final moments so that they wouldn't mess it up. So they wouldn't have any sin on their right. on their conscience. Right. Oh like, man, I can sin so easily. Right. <laughs> I don't even have to be able to like physically move. Right. I can just, you know, miss right. the mark a lot of ways. Right. And the idea that, that it's a once and done and God's just done with us at that point totally misses the depth and the breadth of what God can bring to us and to this world yeah. now. Well, that's what I liked about the, the story of Constantine getting baptized on his deathbed because he was a warrior. He was a king. So he needed to be able to fight. And he knew that if he was really a Christian, he couldn't kill people. He couldn't be violent. Right. And I sort of think like, what a hypocrite. But I also think, man, way to take that seriously. Right. Right. Because so many of us say the words and then we just go about doing the same things Mm -hmm. that cause damage Mm -hmm. instead of really examining those and saying, I can't, I have to live differently. It also comes back to the log in your own eye versus the splinter in someone else's, right? Sure. This, this is another place where we can get caught in that cycle mm-hmm. that does not help us. Yeah. <laughs> so the image that I use for this in scripture is when the Hebrew children left Egypt, Ugh. right? So mm-hmm. there's this mm-hmm. this huge story. And if you haven't seen King of Egypt, 
the cartoon. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. <laughs> it's better than the Charles, Charlton Heston version, I would argue. I would um, argue that too. Yeah, It's easier to watch. Easier to watch. So uh, there's your synopsis of Exodus. But when the Hebrew children were liberated from Egypt, they thought they were done with slavery when they left the boundary of Egypt. Mm-hmm. But God knew better. God knew God well. knew that they had at that point a mindset of being slaves. In fact, mm-hmm. the number of times that over and over again they said, can we just go back? It's easier to be, right. to be slaves than to be free. Right. Um, so we actually have to get that kind of thinking out of our heads. Right. And we do this, right? Like, so liberation is not just something that is a physical reality. It's something that we have to do the work on. We have to get ourselves out of the way so we can be free. Yeah. You gave a couple other examples, I think, in your sermon. Well, I think the one that I would get, that I give that will resonate with is the idea of like that we are, here's another paradox. We are given gifts mm-hmm. by God. And yet we have free will over whether we're going to use them. My ladies in Bible study were, jo- were talking about how how jealous they were of their friends who could have piano lessons when they were kids, yeah. right? And how, you know, the friends who had piano lessons didn't want them. That there's still that free will there that, that we're still dealing with how we do that. Right. And it's a paradox too. And if you have a gift and you don't use it, right. do you lose it or does it lay dormant or what happens what to happens it? What happens to it? Who knows? All I, sorts of things. I told the story about, so I got married a couple weeks ago and yeah. I decided maybe 10 years ago that I was ready for a serious relationship and I'm a check off the list kind of person. No, you, Chris. I like to see concrete progress, which makes being a pastor real interesting because there's, there's not there's a lot definitely of, days where there is no concrete practice. Not, not a lot of progress. And so, um, that's when I clean out closets. I, yeah. It's when I get into a laundry kick one thing I can control. So, uh, so anyway, about 10 years ago, I decided I was going to do the checklist. And so I went on every dating site there was, uh, signed up for all of them. Check, check, check. Wrote a charming profile. Check, check, check. Yes. Took a, I remember you slaving over this. Flattering profile photo. Mm-hmm. Check. Talk to people. Check. Went on dates. Ugh. <laughs> but check. I was joking around with kids at the retreat and I said, I, uh, we were playing two truths and a lie. Mm-hmm. And one of my things was I've been on a 150 first dates and mm-hmm. they didn't believe me because mm-hmm. uh, they're like, pastors don't date. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. we do. We're just not very good at it sometimes. Don't mention you're a clergy person on the first line of your profile. Check. Um, <laughs> all that. And, and for 10 years, it was just kind of hellish because I couldn't, you know, you can't make anybody fall in love with you. You can't make yourself fall in love with anybody else. Right. Um, that there's an X factor there that you can't control. And I don't like that. <laughs> really, Chris? I can't imagine. You I would much rather be able that. to say, hey, this person looks good on paper. And I think I would be quite good for them. Let's do this. Uh, but that's not how it works. And so when I met Ben, it was very surprising. Mm-hmm. He, I would not have picked him out of a lineup. Nope. He's very handsome. But I wouldn't have picked him out of a lineup for myself. I, I joked around on Sunday. I said, uh, he's a 5'6 British IT tech who plays the organ for fun. And then I just turned around and stared with disgust at my organist, Aaron Long, <laughs> who just shrugged and started laughing. Uh, so the whole congregation laughed. It takes a, a particular person yes. to play the organ for fun. Anyway, so... And that probably wouldn't have been on your list. Wouldn't have been on my list. And while I learned things in those 10 years, I don't think that the things I learned in the 10 years were me earning no. Ben. I think they were handy things to pick up. They were certainly me getting out of my own way in some ways, learning what's important. But I couldn't have told you when Ben was going to show up. Nope. And uh, and when he did show up, it was just we just kind of 
clicked. We just kind of went, oh, this is the thing. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll roll with this for a while and see what happens. Uh, it was a little cuter than that, readers. Yeah, reader, <laughs> readers. So, you know, uh, it's a lot like, I think, this work, this liberation work, this addiction recovery salvation work is a lot like that. It's the relationship thing, right? Yeah. Like all of this, what we're talking about, isn't just about us personally, each one of us personally. Mm-hmm. It is very sincerely, yeah. but it is also about the communities we find ourselves in and the connections we find ourselves making and the ways in which we're able to make those connections or not make those connections. Right. And so to prepare ourselves to be entirely ready to have our hearts broken open, to be ready to do this self-examination, to be ready to do this honesty thing so that God can do the work in us that we can't control, uh, to do this healing work, to do this liberation work, because it really does, it really does depend on God. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have to be, we have to be ready for it. We could miss it. Definitely could. So that was my sermon on Sunday. Pretty good. And uh, thanks for sharing your stuff too, Susan. Thanks for letting me. And thanks to you listeners for the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions or stories that relate to today, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepinj at gmail.com or whatever social media you can find us on. Scriptures will be linked on our webpage. Sure. I use Luke 5, 12 through 16 primarily. Eh, I just sort of skated around all the ones that Richard Rohr suggested. All right. And the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer the end of a podcast the end of a service it's sort of typical for us to give a blessing Uh, but we don't give you a blessing we think you've been blessed Uh, we think god already loves you the most god can possibly love you which is infinitely and nothing that we can say will actually make that bigger or better or truer so uh, i don't actually give my congregation a blessing i give them homework Mm -hmm. and it's the same homework every week may you go out and love every person you meet even the ones you might not think deserve it which sometimes includes yourself because God thinks you do. Amen. Amen.